All right, thank you so much. Let's go ahead and grab our seats. And if you have a Bible, as I move this mammoth of a thing, uh, let's open up to Exodus chapter 20. This morning we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. We've been uh, in a series. This is the fifth week in our series as we look today at the fourth commandment to remember the Sabbath day. That is in Exodus chapter 20. That's the second book in your Bible, so don't open up too far. You'll find it quickly. And I would uh, love to pray for us uh, before we get started. So let's, let's go to the Lord. Father, your word is so sufficient. It is clear and it is a precious gift. And your word not only dispenses truth, it lights hearts on fire for the glory of God and his son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I'm asking you for help. Please feed your sheep. Please be so satisfied. Please be so pleased to fall upon us this morning so that your word does not uh, come and go as empty or powerless, but instead, Lord, that it would come in power and that it would come uh, in, in changing the way that we are living, that it would come to change the way that we think, it would come to change the way we relate to you and to one another. This morning has been uh, a fight of the mind for me, Lord, and as you know, even for silly things. So help me, your servant, to say what you say. Help me to go no further than that, to say what you command and to preach what you promise us. Please open up the ears of this room. Please open up the hearts of this room so that we will be a people consumed by the glory of God. In the name and for the name of Christ, amen. All right, let's, let's get to it. Exodus chapter 20. We're gonna read the first 11 verses. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner, 
who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 34. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Psalm 27. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. I have set the Lord always before me. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Psalm 73. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be the doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Psalm 84. I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. Psalm 63. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Matthew 13. Delighting in the Lord is why we exist. We humans are designed to have God as our greatest joy, and I'll go further than that, as your only joy. God is my chosen portion, King David said. Intimacy with God is the Christian's unyielding pursuit. We must find one another saying, if I can only have more of God, if I can only have more of God, This is the essence of the fourth commandment. Let me give you another passage. On the back of your notes, you can see it. You don't have to turn there. Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 says, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and call the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will, look at the promise, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. That's the promise for the Sabbath keeper. This isn't just good poetry. It's love. It's delight. God is saying in the Sabbath, I am the lover of your soul. Will you be the lover of mine? And let me give you what I think is 
the very foundation of the fourth commandment and therefore the foundation of my sermon this morning. You see this in your notes. God created the Sabbath so that we might find lasting delight in Him. God created the Sabbath so that we would find lasting delight in Him. I'll go even further. God created the seven-day week. He didn't have to. He created the seven-day week simply because He wanted us to have the privilege to savor Him as He savors Himself. You see, this changes the entire conversation about the Sabbath, doesn't it? Think about it. Think about your own thoughts. When you think about the Sabbath, is it a positive thought? Yes, the Sabbath. Or is it a negative thought? Oh, I've got to keep the Sabbath. See, when God's people transition from that, and when we stop thinking about the Sabbath as a burden that we must obey, and then we instead consider it a privilege that we can enjoy, the duty of the Sabbath becomes a delight of the heart. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm going to say this very clearly. The Sabbath is a duty. It is a command. We are ten commandment people, not nine commandment people. In fact, when you study God's word, you'll find that this command is the most often repeated command in the Bible. Check this number. 111 times God says, keep the Sabbath. It's not just in Exodus 20. It's everywhere you go. Isn't that fascinating? I never even crossed my mind that the most often thing, the most repeated thing that God ever says to his people, keep my Sabbath. In Exodus chapter 31, also on the back of your notes, God says, above all, keep my Sabbaths. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. Above all, God? Above all? Above everything else? Keep the Sabbath. God is very serious about the Sabbath. Therefore, he is also very clear what happens when you ignore it. Right there in that same text, Exodus 31, God continues and he says, Everyone who profanes the Sabbath shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death, he says later. And we see this in Numbers 15, one of the most shocking stories in the first five books of the Bible. A guy is gathering sticks and the people of Israel stone him to death on the Sabbath day, excuse me. God and his word are serious about the Sabbath. But again, why? Because he is serious about our glory, or his, excuse me, his glory in our delight. God is serious about his glory in, found in our delight. God will not be stopped in his pursuit to make himself the greatest treasure in our hearts and our lives. So if that's the case, if God wants our delight to be in him, and the Sabbath is one of, if not the means, that we delight in him, well, let's ask it then, what is it? What is the Sabbath? What does it mean to obey the Sabbath? What does it mean to disobey or break this command? Well, our text, Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, seems simple enough. God has given us the Sabbath for two reasons. 
Two reasons, worship and rest. Worship and rest. First, in verse 8, God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So there is a day of the week that is holy to the Lord. That is, it is a day, what does holy mean? It means separate. There's a day that is separated from the other six days. There's a day that is unlike any of the other six days. And what makes it different, primarily what makes the Sabbath different from the other six days is explicit and extended worship. It was family worship privately and it was public worship corporately. Leviticus 23.3 tells us that the people of God assembled on the Sabbath to bless the Lord, what they called a holy convocation. So that's the first thing. Worship the second, we see that all work stops on this day. All work stops on this day. Verse 9, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And then he talks about, hey, you, not you, not your kids, not your servants, not even your animals or the people who are from out of town. Everyone and everything stops. And then God tells us why in verse 11. See that? For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Now, time out. I want us to turn, keep Exodus 20, verse 11 in our mind. Let's jump three books later to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Not in your notes. Jump there in in the Word. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Because we have Deuteronomy chapter 5, which is the second record of the Ten Commandments. God gives the people of Israel the Ten Commandments twice. One literally with his own mouth out of the mountain, Exodus 20, and then via Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And here's what he says about the Sabbath. Go to verse 12. Deuteronomy 5 verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Okay, then let's stop. It's almost word for word the same throughout there. And then we get to the why again in verse 15. Here's why you obey the Sabbath according to Deuteronomy 5. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So let's compare those two. What is the first one? Exodus chapter 20, our text. What does Exodus 20 give as a reason for keeping the Sabbath? In a word, creation. But what about Deuteronomy chapter 5? What's the reason that he gives for keeping the Sabbath? In a word, redemption, rescue, deliverance. He brought you out as slaves and set you free liberation is the cause of keeping the sabbath so then you see this in your notes nothing to fill in but the sabbath is about creation and redemption creation and redemption and creation is the pattern creation is the pattern and redemption is the purpose so creation is the pattern of the sabbath and redemption is the purpose of the sabbath and we can flesh this out how we are supposed to fill in our Sabbath days. How are we supposed to fill the Sabbath day? What what should be the substance of my day set apart to the Lord? Well, first, you see on the left side on your box, imitate 
God's rest. Imitate God's rest. And secondly, celebrate God's rescue. So imitate God's rest and celebrate God's rescue. So let's look at the first one. To imitate God's rest. God calls humans to obey him by imitating his six plus one pattern. Now, we have to remember, very important, that God didn't rest on the seventh day because he was tired. Otherwise, he's not God anymore. So why did God rest if he didn't have to? God rested because he wanted to look back upon the glory of his creation. You know, King David, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim his handiwork. God said that first. I'm going to stop and turn and look and declare to myself my own glory in creation. I'm going to stop and proclaim my handiwork in creation. That is why God stopped and ceased and rested on the seventh day. And as his image bearers, as the ones that he put his seal on us, he stamped us, we are the coins of God. We represent him. Well, it's no different for us then, is it? The Sabbath invites us to imitate God's rest, to recall his power, and to wake up on your Sabbath day and say, the heavens declare the glory of God. And as a side note, let me just tack this on. This is a different sermon. But the Sabbath is also saying, or it's God saying, I own everything. I own everything. The Sabbath proclaims God's radical independence. I need nothing. His self-sufficiency is probably the best word. God is self-sufficient. And it automatically reminds us that we are frail and dependent. God didn't need to rest, but we do need physically have to rest god so when we refuse to rest when we refuse to stop our minds and our bodies eventually shut down don't they they kind of unravel upon us maybe you're really strong at it maybe you can get three months down the way working seven days a week but eventually you will fall not god us us we Need it. In fact, I would say this, that God has engineered, he has made it to be this way, that the human body, and according to Exodus as well, even the soil of the earth needs him. Has to have rest. See, our hearts may convince us. Our logic may convince us that we don't need God, but our bodies never will. Your body will, is the perpetual reminder that you can't make it that long. Praise God for the reminder of the limitations of our physicality. It makes you want to kind of poke fun at everyone who stares at the mirror at the gym for th- three hours a day. It's like, that's not all that, man. That's, that's going in the trash. It's going in the trash. We have the opportunity to imitate God by glorying in his power and acknowledging our need. That is what we can be doing on the Sabbath day. Secondly, we are invited to celebrate his rescue of us. So imitate his rest, celebrate his rescue. 
We should be, let me, I'm just cut straight to application. We should be worshiping the Lord on the Sabbath day. We should be exalting his, names, his name. We should be raising our voices. Our minds should be engaged on the living Lord. We should be raising our hands, raising and engaging our hearts in this one true God on the wonderful blessings that he has given us, namely salvation, namely deliverance, namely liberation from the slavery called sin. God wants an entire day with one entire focus, him. The other six days of the week, God has called us to them, hasn't he? He, He's given you a project. He's given you assignment. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's six kids. Maybe it's a really hard job. God has you somewhere in the world, and he calls upon you six days of the week to address those things. But there is one day where all of that ceases. There is one day that God says, I will have all of you for all of the day. And that is God's day, the Sabbath. So it's more than just a church service. It's a heart devoted to him all day. It it looks like a parent intentionally planning worship for his family. It's someone who's setting aside labor in the house so that Christ's name might echo in your hearts and on your walls. It's a child being taught the gospel over lunch today. It's setting the Lord always before us for an entire day. See, we should be catching one another. We should be catching one another on the backside of the Sabbath, overflowing with delight in God. If you were to see me the day after my Sabbath, you should be meeting a man who has been overcome by the glory of God. You should hear stories of how I led Mandy closer to Christ yesterday. How she prayed for me, she did this this week. She prayed for me, for God to kill a particularly idolatrous train of thought that I was having on the Sabbath day. You should hear of how I led my kids to see God in the world and in his word. God commands his people to celebrate him, to worship him. The Sabbath is massive. Do you see it? But, Time out. May I interrupt myself for a moment? Because here's what would be foolish to ignore. Something drastically changes, changed, changes in the New Testament. Something drastically changes in the New Testament. You can't escape the Old Testament's emphasis on the Sabbath. It's the most often repeated command, but the New Testament is different. The New Testament, yes, it speaks of the Sabbath even a couple dozen times, but not nearly with the same intensity of the old. Not even close. Why? Why? Why would this command that was so influential in the Old Testament seem to lose some of that zeal in the New Testament? Well, Paul answers it for us very clearly. Colossians chapter 2. 16 and 17 on the back of your notes. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a what? A Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Now, wait a second. 
all kinds of Christians get all up in kinds of a mess when you think, start thinking about this and interpreting this text. Didn't Paul just call the Sabbath, that is the most extensive command of the Old Testament, a shadow? What does that even mean? Well, once Paul saw, this is the, this is the law-keeping man, once he saw who Jesus was, it changed what the Sabbath meant. The value of the Sabbath changes when you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, for Paul and for every Christian, the Sabbath does this, points to Jesus. The rest, the worship, the invitation, the celebration, now all of it is wrapped up in our glorious Christ. It shows us that while the Sabbath of the old commanded a physical rest, the Sabbath of the new, namely Christ, provides a spiritual rest. Remember what I said at the beginning. God created the Sabbath so that we would find lasting delight in him. The problem with that is the Sabbath can't do that. The Sabbath left to itself can't give you delight. Did you know that you can even chase the Sabbath every week of your life and still not find delight in God? Only Christ can provide lasting delight in God. So if we want to be people who obey the Sabbath, it actually starts with kneeling before the cross of Jesus Christ. Praise God for him. He is the better Sabbath, or as we see in our notes, he is the eternal Sabbath. Jesus is the Sabbath. And Jesus himself seems to have a very clear understanding of that in Matthew chapter 11. We, we saw this in our responsive reading. Come to me, all who labor, there's a, there's a fourth commandment word, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So, listen, real quick, time out, look at me. Are you here today? Are you here today and the pressures of your sin, the pressures of life, the pressures of the world, the pressures of your circumstances, maybe even the pressures that you brought upon yourself, are they crushing you? Because Jesus' promise is, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find what? Rest for your body, no, for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. True Sabbath is rest of the soul. And this changes the very essence of the Sabbath. You see, in the Old Testament, God gave a command that was intended to affect the heart, right? He, in the New Testament, though, God gave us new hearts that enable the command. So God has flipped it. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, it was do this thing so that your heart will stay close to me. But in the new covenant, it says, here's a new heart, now do this thing. See, yet we have to hear it over and over and over again. We have to hear it from the first, second, third, fourth, and we'll have to hear it next week in the fifth, that we have to have new hearts before the Ten Commandments is even a conversation. So Christ came to do that. Christ came to give us new hearts. Christ came to write the Sabbath, not on a tablet, but in my heart. Christ came to make delight in God not only possible, but praise him desirable. I want the Sabbath now. And so the urgency, and I would add the impossibility 
of the Old Testament Sabbath laws has been replaced by an urgency for New Testament Jesus rest that enables obedience to this command. And so just as the Old Testament speaks of a physical Sabbath and a physical death penalty, the entire Bible speaks of an eternal Sabbath, a greater Sabbath and an eternal death penalty. You see, for those who reject Jesus Christ, there is an eternal weight on your back. I have felt that weight. It's gone now. There's an eternal weight that you can't possibly carry. If you leave Christ, if you abandon his open invitation, you will never see, this is so hard to say, if you, if you abandon Christ, you will never see the end of God's wrath upon you. God is uneasy with those who reject his son. But he promises, listen, he promises mercy to those who receive his son. He promises mercy to those who repent and trust in Jesus. He promises renewal. He promises righteousness. Can you believe it? He promises the wiping away of our sins. Will we yield to Christ? Will you lay down your life that you're living for yourself and give up everything for this one who was crucified on a cross, raised out of the the grave three days later, and is currently seated at the right hand? Can you find a better one to worship? No. Praise God for Jesus. Let's find eternal rest in this risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we come to this place as we consider the Sabbath. We have the Old Testament clearly giving us a law. We have the New Testament saying that Christ is the Sabbath. But we are left asking one very practical question. Maybe you're asking this. Well, if Christ is our Sabbath, should we still observe a day? Should we still observe a 24-hour, so to speak, day to the Lord? Well, I think the New Testament says yes. But, yes, but. Because of passages like Colossians chapter 2 and Galatians chapter 4, we cannot deny, should not deny, that there is a shift that has taken place. Any sort of ceremonial regulation that the fourth commandment placed upon God's people, including the day of the week that Sabbath occurs, because we're about to find out why, Any sort of ceremonial regulation the fourth commandment places upon God's people has been completely accomplished in Christ. And so we are no longer required to obey those ceremonial legal codes. Therefore, it is really wise for the Christian to remember Romans chapter 14, verses 5 and 6, which say this. One person esteems one day as better than all the other days, while another esteems all of those days alike. Each should be fully convinced, and look at this phrase, in his own mind, the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. Let me just bring that back to what Paul is saying. He's saying at the end of the day, observing the Sabbath is a matter of conscience. Each is convinced in his own mind, he says. So think about Paul's context. Think about why he would even say something like that. The Gentiles, to whom he's primarily writing to, have never kept a lick of Old Testament Sabbath regulations. So what does he tell those Gentiles? Hey, hop into the Jewish way. Hey, you have to live like the Jews on this one. No, he says, for the Jews, you have liberty to keep the day like you always have. Just know that doesn't save you. And for Gentiles, 
you don't have to do it their way. Because he was talking to a church of both Jews and Gentiles together in one place called Rome. So even with Romans 14 in mind, let me finish with saying this then. Liberty of conscience for Paul is important, but it does not, in my opinion, and I'll say that in my opinion, it does not allow us to break the fourth commandment. I am one who still believes that we are still called to obey this command in a sense that I think that there should be a day set aside to the Lord. Why can I say that? Why would I say that? Because of the precedent set by the New Testament church. Because almost immediately after Jesus rose from the dead, his people began to do what? Assemble on Sundays. Not Saturdays, but Sundays to worship together. The Sabbath was now on the day of Christ's resurrection, what we see is called the Lord's Day. We worship today on the Lord's Day. So now the Sabbath has transitioned. Not only is it about creation, it's about recreation. It's about new creation. It's about Christ giving us new hearts, 2 Corinthians 5. True Sabbath is not just about freedom from an Egyptian slave master. It's about freedom from our sin slave master, Romans chapter 6. See, the, the Christians in the Bible didn't, I don't think they got rid of the Sabbath. I just think they reshaped it. And so we find New Testament Christians and the many, 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 many generations that follow them still obeying the Sabbath, but in a new covenant sort of way. They still set aside one day a week, Sunday, to imitate and celebrate, to worship and to rest. And that's where I land. And there are really smart people who disagree with me, so I just have to leave it at that. And maybe you disagree with me. Maybe you're like, no, you, Josh, you've yoked us to the law when we're free under grace. You can't bind me to this one. And I've studied, and I've read, I've prayed, and I'll give you this, like I said already, Sabbath keeping is primarily a matter of conscience, and it is an area that Christians are called to, charity. Charity, be charitable with one another. We ought to be charitable with one another, how we keep the Sabbath. I think that is the wisest approach for us all. But since I'm here and I have a mic and you don't, let me persuade you on why you should keep the Sabbath. 24-hour Sabbath. Remember that God has called this day holy. It's set apart. It's unique from the other seven, six days. So what does that mean for us? Oh, this is so fun. The Sabbath is the Christian's opportunity. It is the privilege to make a statement to the world and say, I'm not like you. I may be in the world. God may even have assignments for me in the world but I am not of it the world does not have me the Sabbath communicates Galatians 6 14 to us and says far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world is crucified has been crucified to me and I to the world taking one full day to imitate and celebrate to worship and to rest is to take an entire day to glory in Christ and that makes a statement to one another, and it makes a statement to the world. This is a day of separation for God's people. This is a day of cleansing for God's people. And I wonder, I at least wonder, if when we refuse to keep the Sabbath, if we're saying to the world, I'm no different than you are. I'm no different than you are. I wonder if it identifies us as citizens of earth when Christ has made us citizens of heaven. See, the Sabbath is this wonderful opportunity for us to obey 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world 
or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Keeping the Sabbath communicates our faith. Ultimately, even if we can't agree on whether we must obey the Sabbath, maybe we can agree on whether we should anyway. If we can agree that the goal of the Sabbath is delight in God, and that the substance of that delight is his son, Jesus Christ, our precious Savior, then why wouldn't we observe a Sabbath? If God has said, here's a day for you to glory in me, to smile with me, to spend all day alone or as a family with me, a Christian's going to say yes to that. Or, and if you say, no, nah, I don't really want to do that, check your faith. Examine to see whether you're in the faith. If you don't want more of God, repent. That's a dangerous place to be. So I'm for the Sabbath. I'm all for the Sabbath, a real Sabbath. We should be eager to practice the spiritual discipline of holy rest because he is the end of that discipline. If Christ is my delight, then I will do something like Sabbath observance simply because I just want more of him. And that is my exhortation for us this morning. That is what I think the fourth commandment is about, and I think that's really what our lives are about. By all means possible, delight yourself in the Lord. By all means possible, especially including the Sabbath, use it to delight yourself in the Lord. Three helpful ways, and these will be brief, to do that. Number one, take worship seriously, both private and public. Take worship seriously. Find time on your Sabbath to worship privately. So if Sunday is the day that you are setting aside to the Lord, this is, this is the day that I will be with my maker all day. Don't let it stop when you leave these doors. What will you do this afternoon? What, what would it look like tonight to open up the scriptures again and just glory in Christ? To spend a day with him. And when we think about Sunday worship together, I think a really helpful thing for us to do is prepare for this time. Prepare for Sunday worship. What are we going to do to, be, to have our hearts ready for Sunday morning worship? Are we, are we just showing up here on Sundays? I'm convicted of this. Are we just getting here and that's it? Well, at least I'm here. That's not good enough for the people of God. It's not just about showing up here. It's more than that. It's, what did you do last night? What did you do last night that said, I'm going to get my soul ready for proclaiming the risen Savior with my people tomorrow morning? What are we choosing to do? What if, what if, again, conscience, liberty, this is my idea. What if, fellas, the fall's coming, ABC, 8 p.m., college football special's coming. What if we said, you know what? It's not that good. It's not that good. I'll, you know what, I'll, to make to make sure that I can meet my maker with my people in the morning, I'll check the stats after lunch. What if we were a people who made Sundays matter? What if? What if we intentionally plan one Sunday a month, just one, to start here, one Sunday a month, we'll work through everything, we'll go to bed a little bit earlier so we can get up a little bit earlier as well, including our children perhaps, so that we, at least one of us or both of us, can make it to Sunday morning prayer at 8.30. Wow. 
Do you know how that would change if a quarter of our members showed up at prayer? We wouldn't be able to fit anymore. What if? Ah, oh, man, it's my one day to sleep in. Do, I, don't, I don't know how to answer that question. I just don't know. It's prayer with God. And brothers and sisters, this is, this is a hard one. What if we stopped unnecessary? There is necessary. But what if we stopped unnecessary travel on Sunday mornings? Are there times that we have to travel on Sundays? Sure. Are we, and are we enslaved to Sunday morning worship? No. But are we choosing to travel on Sunday mornings so that we miss Sunday worship? Is, is it something we could prevent but we choose not to? Why, let's, let's, let's figure out a way. I, I love one of the pastors that I follow. He, he instructed one of his interns. He said, I'm going to be going back home uh, tomorrow morning so I'm going to be missing Sunday worship. And he said, well, is it a big deal that you could just get home later and come to church? Why, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we prioritize this? This is an eternal activity. This isn't, this isn't a chore. We're not slaves of Sunday morning. We've been set free. We're sons and daughters of God. Why aren't we here? Every time we can be. I'm not saying this as a pastor. I'm saying this as someone who loves Jesus. That's the only thing. What if our entertainment and our rhythms finally took a back seat to our public worship? Second, and really attached to the first, take Christ seriously. If we're supposed to take worship seriously, that automatically means we're going to take Christ seriously. Let your Sabbath day be a day where you are consumed by Christ throughout the day. Not only in public worship, but in private. What biography might you want to read of a man or a woman who is all for Christ all of their lives? I love biographies. They are like juice to my veins. To see someone faithful day after day after day till death. Oh, I want that. Read a biography. What scripture might you memorize that, that will take hold of your heart that day? See, this is one of the mistakes, and I'm this is confession. This is one of the mistakes I've made for years that I've discovered more plainly than ever this week. Christ himself is often nowhere to be found on my Sabbath day. I rest, yes. I take naps, yes. I spend time with the kids, yes. I hang out with my wife, yes. All good things, all blessings. But the Sabbath day, regularly finding my Bible closed, shouldn't be. It doesn't fit. Let us be full of Christ on our Sabbath day, too. And third, and final, this is where it's so relieving to worship a loving God. Take rest seriously take rest seriously let's take real steps toward a day that is unplugged from our typical rhythms and responsibilities this is a day when we take every measure we can to stop chasing after the world phones go away tvs stay off sunglasses get put on walks happen sunsets are enjoyed putt-putt swimming naps board games you name it do it enjoy the day celebrate the day it is a day of mental rest. Yesterday, I got to get on my roof with a pole saw and chop down tree limbs that were touching my roof. And it was awesome. That was the most refreshing mental activity I've done in weeks. It's labor. It's, I'm, I'm getting dirty, so to speak, but that's where the regulations have changed. Is Christ my rest? Am I enjoying his creation and a little bit of electricity and power? Yeah. Yeah, that's Sabbath-like activity. All of it. What is it that will energize you for the week that God 
has in front of you. Do those things. Enjoy God, enjoy his creation, and most of all, enjoy his son. By all means possible, delight yourself in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this invitation. You didn't have to be like this. Your people do not deserve a Sabbath. We deserve nothing, but you are so gracious. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and good to all. Thank you. Thank you for the goodness, for the privilege, for the sweetness, for the delight of the Sabbath. May this be a church that doesn't chase the Sabbath for justification. But may this be a church that chases the Sabbath because Christ is our satisfaction. Please, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.